my name is Peter Moe from Tourism Ireland's Nordic office in Copenhagen. And today I'm joined by Martina Purdy, former BBC political correspondent, turned nun and now guide at the St. Patrick's Centre in Downpatrick, Northern Ireland. Hi Martina, so that's quite some career switches you have there. How did you go from political correspondent to nun and then to working at the St. Patrick's Centre? Well, Peter, it has been quite an adventure and I never expected to be a nun. I had, you know, from a young age wanted to be a journalist and I got what I wanted. I became the BBC's political correspondent for about 15 years covering um, the multi-party talks that led to the Good Friday Agreement and the rise and fall and rise again of Stormont. And I was very happy. I had a really good career and I had a lot of uh, privilege uh, going to places like the White House and St. Patrick's Day and um, Downing Street and interviewing some really interesting wow. people, uh, President Clinton and, and Tony Blair and, you know, all kinds. And it was really interesting. But I suppose uh, when I was around 40, I started to go deeper into my Catholic faith. And I started to pray more. And I went to um, Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, which is um, a very Catholic uh, devotion. And the more I went, the more I realized that actually I found something better than being on television talking about um, politicians. I much preferred to be at the feet of Jesus. And it took me some years to figure that out. But when I did, I was... I quit my job with great joy and I entered a convent uh, two doors down actually from uh, the headquarters of Jerry Adams and Martin McGuinness where I, I used to wait on the street corner to interview them. All right, that's quite a change there. And then how did you uh, then end up at the St. Patrick's Center? Well, I was a sister of adoration for five years and I had taken uh, my first vows after three years. Um, but shortly after I took vows, uh, along with Elaine Kelly, who was a former barrister, who was also now a guide, um, we were told that the four temporary professed sisters um, may not be able to complete their formation because the Vatican had introduced some new rules and the congregation was really too fragile to maintain um, the structures that were required to, to end our formation. And I had another four years to go, as did Elaine. It takes a total of nine years. And the congregation wow. looked at a number of options, and we were praying for a miracle, but we were released um, September 23rd, 2019, just over a year ago. And a friend of the congregation uh, came to us when she heard that we had to go, a week before we had to go, and she said, I have a house in Downpatrick that you can come to. And we were going traveling, but we agreed that um, we'd come to Downpatrick. I mean, we were effectively homeless, that we were going to go live with my mom. <laughs> so um, we came to Downpatrick, and while we were traveling, uh, our friend and all her friends from the parish, um, they organized the house. They had everything we needed from food in the cupboards to um, bedding, everything. And they had a little prayer room that we could pray in. So uh, after three or four months of being here, it was around late February, I got a little tired of sitting on the couch um, watching Murder, She Wrote, and I started to pray to St. Patrick <laughs> for a mission. I didn't want a job, I wanted a mission. And I was coming out of Mass one Saturday morning, and I went into the little uh, prayer shop in our parish to buy some prayer cards to St. Patrick, and I was just coming out of the shop holding these prayer cards when a man who was on the board of the St. Patrick Center approached me and he, he said, are you Martina Purdy? And I said, yes. He 
he said, would you like to write for the St. Patrick's Center? And I was kind of thinking, this was a very fast answer to my prayer. So <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> and um, we met the, on Monday uh, with, with Dr. Tim Campbell, who I used to know from my days as a BBC political correspondent. And we agreed that I would write uh, press releases and uh, marketing for the center. The problem is the third thing I wrote was that we were closing for COVID. So that's a whole other story. And I ended up um, spending the time that I was at home working, writing a passport for a St. Patrick's Pilgrim Camino around St. Patrick, which Dr. Tim Campbell helped Delaine and I with. That's fantastic. And we're actually also joined now by uh, Dr. Tim Campbell, the director of the St. Patrick Center. Hi, hi, Tim. Can you uh, can you tell me a bit about what is the St. Patrick Center actually? Hi, Peter. Uh, well, the St. Patrick Center is the only permanent exhibition in the world about St. Patrick. It's celebrated all over the world, um, including in the in, in Europe part of the world and the Nordics, of course. Uh, so we are we were set up 20 years ago. We're just about to celebrate our 20th anniversary, and we were really a kind of a child of the Good Friday Agreement to encourage people to come to the northern part of Ireland, because many visitors in those days would have come out of Dublin Airport and taken a right down to Cork and Kerry rather than taking a left. Only one in ten people in those days actually came to. Um, to Northern Ireland. So we were seen as being one of the five signature projects to encourage visitors to come back. So there's ourselves, the Mountains of Morn, um, Titanic, which in those days was just an idea, uh, the Walls of Derry, Londonderry, and the Giant's Causeway. So those are the, the, the signature projects. So we created a, an exhibition which reflects, uh, we tell people the story of Ireland starts here, it reflects the words of St. Patrick, because if you think of archaeology is where you dig stuff up, history is where you write things down. Mm. The, the written word in Ireland, and we think of ourselves as the land of saints, scholars and poets, well, Patrick was the first person to write his message down. So the reason that we know about him was that he left this incredible um, work behind him. So the exhibition really takes you around um, his story in his own words, which are read by um, Kieran Hines, who's a famous Irish actor. Okay, interesting. So it's a fantastic way then to come and experience the saint. But leading to that, who was St. Patrick and, and why is he then so important in Ireland? I mean, he is synonymous with Ireland. Well, St. Patrick is probably the most famous saint in the world. Certainly he is a famous brand. And there are more than 800 churches around the world named after him. And St. Patrick is the apostle of Ireland. He's our patron saint. And he is the guy who successfully, as a bishop, brought Christianity to Ireland starting in 432. Now, Patrick has an interesting history because that was his return to Ireland. At the age of 16, he was living in Roman Britain. We're not exactly sure where. At the age of 16, he was kidnapped by marauders and brought to Ireland, probably Northern Ireland, the, um, uh, the mountain of Slemish, where he was enslaved and he tended sheep. And he was enslaved for six years. Now, while he came from a Christian family, he had no faith when he was kidnapped. But alone and isolated on the countryside, he started to pray and he prayed a hundred times a day. Wow. And he got he he got his faith and he 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 received a really profound faith, a lot like St. Paul. Um, and he he became so close to God um, that he got this call to be a missionary. 
And when he escaped Ireland miraculously after six years, he returned in 432 to a place not far from Downpatrick, uh, and he was washed up to Strangford Lock. And he succeeded where other Christians failed because he was um, able to speak the language and he knew the culture. Having been enslaved here, he knew that if he found the chieftain and he converted the chieftain, the people would follow. And that's what Patrick did. And it was really in an amazing spirit of adventure, Christianity, and also forgiveness that he came back. And the Irish people loved him. And so he was able to set up more than 300 Christian communities here, including his first church here at Saul, where we take the pilgrims. And we call that the cradle of Christianity. And we're asking people to come and visit and to rock the cradle of Christianity with us. Oh, that's lovely. I mean, <laughs> Part partly lovely, not not the whole, uh, not 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 maybe the first uh, part of being a slave, but it's incredible how he turned that around and 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 spoke, learned the the language, the Gaelic language, to actually then could come could come back and and accomplish a defeat. I mean, it's not easy turning a whole population Christian or no. even part of it. No, because some of them tried to kill him. So it's a very modern story of A, that we still have human trafficking. B, we still have young people who don't believe the faith of their parents who have to make that connection with God themselves. And we have, um, we have uh, you know, an increasingly secular world. So Patrick didn't have it any easier. He, had, uh, he, he would arrive at, at the shores to find human sacrifice. So one of the people he converted here was Donard, who was the son of a chieftain who was sacrificing virgins by the sea and Patrick objected. And Patrick um, ultimately converted Donard and our highest mountain, um, which is about a 10 minute drive from John Patrick is called maybe 15 minutes, is called a Sleeve Patrick. It's the highest mountain in Northern Ireland. Sorry, it's called Sleeve Donard. And Sleeve Donard is where Donard went to live as a monk. So there is huge heritage here and huge and incredible beauty. Fair enough. I mean, are there a lot of places in Ireland that are named after St. Patrick or as in terms of the first kind of his lifetime? There's a lot of places in um, Down Patrick which are named after St. Patrick in this area. We call it St. Patrick's Country. So within um, two kilometers of where we are, we have the first church in Ireland, which was built in 432 AD originally. It's where Patrick died on the 17th of March. It's a place called Saul after Sable, which means barn. We, we're right beside the place where St. Patrick is buried, and that's important today because we're talking to you on St. Bridget's Day. Um, and we have three saints buried here. We have St. Patrick, St. Bridget, and St. Colum Kill. So the three apostles of Ireland are all buried in one grave beside the medieval Cathedral of Down. Um, we have the place where St. Patrick landed, um, uh, and we also have the place where the legend of the snakes was written. Patrick is famous for banishing snakes from Ireland. We never really had snakes in Ireland. I was going to ask because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yes, that's a very good one to be known for, though. I mean, yeah, it's good to be, it's good to be well known for Yeah, I think that the snakes are a metaphor for uh, pagans. And as Tim said there, we have Inch Abbey. It's uh, the ruin of Inch Abbey, which was built by the Anglo-Norman knight who invaded here, defeated the local chieftain around 1177 in a huge bloody battle. And he built Inch Abbey and he championed Patrick. Uh, John de Courcy was fascinated with Patrick and he um, appointed an, a monk called Jocelyn to write the story of Patrick. And it was Jocelyn who wrote the legend of the snakes. And we bring pilgrims to this beautiful spot where this ancient 
um, Gothic ruin is, and it's on the banks of the River Coyle. Um, there are swans. It's very peaceful, and it is also a place where the Game of Thrones um, filmed. And sometimes the Christian pilgrims meet the um, the Game of Thrones people Thrones with their pilgrims. <laughs> yeah, so it is a lot of fun. This is a really interesting place. Fair enough. So, but I mean, I heard you said that uh, the St. Patrick died on March 17th. So that's also St. Patrick's Day. Is that why it's celebrated on March 17th? Yeah, a lot of our early saints, um, the feast days of the saints are the days when, not when they were born, but when they sent them to heaven. So that's the, that's the big day for them. So the 17th of March is the day that St. Patrick died. So that's his, that's his feast day. Okay. Interesting that you celebrate the feast day as the day he died instead of the birth date. As, as in, you know, with the Christianity in Jesus and Christianity. So, yeah. A lot of, the, a lot of these times, they, they didn't know what their birth dates were. You know, there were no birth certificates. Uh, and All right, yes. People, people really only remembered you whenever you became famous. And you weren't famous whenever you were a baby. So nobody's really thinking about how your precise date of birth, because you weren't important. But when, if you were really important when you died, then they would remember you. And that would be remembered as your feast day. Very, very good point there. Yeah, and Patrick wasn't officially proclaimed by the Vatican as a saint. Um, in those days, the people proclaimed the saints, and Patrick was much loved, and they could see uh, the holiness and the heroic virtue of Patrick, who was also one of the first people to write down his autobiography. And you can find that online at St. Patrick's Confessio. The first person was St. Augustine, who was born maybe I'd say a hundred years before Patrick, but it's interesting that you kind of wonder did Patrick get the idea uh, of writing this down from having heard of the confession of Saint Augustine? Okay, interesting. I mean, there's definitely a lot to take in there, but how would you recommend that people start experiencing Saint Patrick in Ireland? Well, I think whenever you come to Ireland, you need to come to the source to find out about St. Patrick. So you need to head to St. Patrick's country. Mm. And we're ideally located between Belfast and um, Dublin, which is where a lot of people are going to be flying into Dublin and maybe doing a circuit around Ireland. So we're ideally located 30 minutes south of Belfast, two hours north of Dublin. So a lot of people make this kind of their first stop because we say that the story of Ireland starts here with the story of St. Patrick. <clears throat> Something that people have really heard about and they know about. Um, there's there's many beautiful sites. I mean, around Ireland, there's St. Patrick's Cathedral in, in Dublin, uh, two of them, um, and lots of different sites around Ireland. But Sympat the most associated with St. Patrick, most authentic sites tend to be in the northern half of Ireland, and particularly in Northern Ireland, between, between counties uh, Armagh and Down. Because that's where he landed when he originally came to Ireland. It's where he oh. landed. It's also where he set up the um, the center of the Catholic faith. So the seat of the bishops, uh, the Archbishop of, of um, Armagh and the uh, head of the Irish church is still centered in Armagh Cathedral. And Patrick, um, there are you know places up and down the country associated with him. There's Croke Patrick in County Mayo. But I think if you come here, you, you are able to uh, see where his journey began and where his journey ended. And um, you know, St. Patrick is a great unifying figure for the Irish. Um, he predates the Reformation and he is a very um, authentic um, preacher of the gospel. So when you go through his writings, you can see the scripture that is interwoven in his confession. And 
the great thing about this place is that it has something for everyone. We have obviously the Christian heritage, but we also have the um, pre-Christian heritage here. We have an amazing walk that our guide Plain Fitzsimons does, and it's called Patrick and the Pagan Hills. And that goes, that takes you to the landscape before Patrick arrived and how people worship the sun and how the, the different superstitious practices and so that's a great starting point. Also, we have this incredible beauty. We have um, not only mountains, but we have a seacoast. And our new walk is called St. Patrick's Way by the Coast. And it's a very authentic way to, to walk in the steps of Patrick to a well that is um, right, right on the coast. And it is said that Patrick himself um, went to this well. And the farmer's wives for centuries always made a pilgrimage every 1st of May to this well to lay flowers to pray for a good harvest. So we, we think we have a lot to offer. The place is rich in history, it's rich in heritage. When you come in the walks, you're able to meet people um, from different places, but also uh, you meet a lot of native Irish people. So it's a good way to kind of get an understanding of the culture. And Tim has also introduced an Irish language version of the walk. So that's part of our 17 mile walk, which links seven holy sites here in Dan Patrick, including um, uh, St. Patrick's Church, where an altar said to have been used by Patrick um, when he founded his monastery here. Um, part of that altar is preserved in St. Patrick's on Saul Hill. And then at Sleeve Patrick, which is a beautiful 50-minute walk up a hill, you can see the whole countryside around you. And on that hill is a monument um, that was um, brought in 1937. It ultimately it was built. And that is the largest uh, monument to St. Patrick in the world. And people come there and they're just amazed. At, you can see the Isle of Man across the Irish Sea. You can see the Morns. You can see miles into the distance. Oh, that sounds lovely. And, and that's all on one walk or is that different that's walks? That's one walk. Or, that's one walk. So, yeah, we should explain, Peter, that we have created a series of walks. So you're asking about experiences, how you can experience yeah. St. Patrick when you Ireland. There are many sites in Ireland associated with St. Patrick, but the, the, the heart of it is here. We tell the story of St. Patrick. You can go and see St. Patrick's grave. So there's the exhibition that we create, have created especially to tell the story of St. Patrick. And then beyond that, Martina and, and Elaine and our guides have created St. Patrick's Way, which is a Camino of Ireland. It's a pilgrim's walking route. So whenever we're talking That's about yeah, these are people who connect all these dots. And we've kind of come in, I mean, some people call it a slowcation. I know a lot of folks come to Ireland on a, on a bus, you know, and they, they, they run around as quickly as they can and see as many sites as possible. This is not that. This is something people would describe it as a slowcation or an experience where Ireland is designed not to be on a bus uh, necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're in a rush, sure. But it's designed for walking. It's designed, and the, you'll see, you'll know if you if you're driving around in a road, twisty roads, that they're designed for horses and carts rather than for motor vehicles. So to be able to get out and walk through the countryside, um, some people call it a slowcation. Uh, Martina describes it as a prayercation. Um, you know, and to be able to to meet people from the area with their own stories to tell. There there is no other Camino in the world that you can walk with X. Adoration sister, former adoration sisters, and hear their story. You know, so it's it's an incredible. And we've just introduced a new element to it. Martina's talking about the the coastal route we've just created. It was so popular during lockdown that everybody wanted to walk. It's small groups, and you get your lunch and transport. 
And part of it is just to be able to talk to each other and to, you know, to find out stories. Relax and reconnect and all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I get so that. We, just, we just created a Camino and canoe. As if it wasn't good enough, we put a canoe into it so that now you can you can walk the Pilgrim's Way and you can paddle up where St. Patrick would have would have been in a Canadian canoe. Oh, that sounds lovely. I mean, so you said that this trail was 17 miles, so that's around, that's just shy of 30 kilometers, uh, 28 something, or 28, around 28 kilometers. That's quite a, that's quite a long walk, or, it but, is it is a, but it's a good long one for a, for a Camino. I mean, you wouldn't expect to finish that in a day. You would, that would probably take two or three days, right? Well, some people do it in a day, but it's not for the faint-hearted. That's the people who are really curious about a pilgrimage. But what we do recommend is that you do the morning walk with me. You get a nice afternoon off, and then you come back the following day, and you do the afternoon walk. So you can do six miles in one day, and then I would say you do the other 11 the next day. Um, But people can kind of come off it. If if they could do it, they could do it over three days if they want it. Um, And then if you really enjoyed that walk, there's a seven-mile coastal walk. There's a seven mile walk through the Morn Mountains. Um, so we have them across the week so that there's a variety. And then the canoeing goes up the River Coyle and that brings you towards Inch Abbey. And from there you can see the beauty of the medieval cathedral that um, is built on the spot where there was a monastery, um, uh, probably around 800. And the cathedral, uh, the original floor uh, is about a thousand years old, but it was, um, it's had a few incarnations, but the last uh, monastery, the last- I mean, I, I could I could imagine it would have a few in a thousand years. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And that's the spot where Patrick's buried. So after okay. the walk, I encourage people to leave their burdens um, at St. Patrick's grave. But one man, he was with his wife. He said, I keep trying to leave her, but she keeps following me out. But. <laughs> Um, we think that the people do have a lot of fun. That couple, that couple so, actually yeah. did the Spanish Camino together, and they they were great fun. Okay, I mean, but that's a lot of different walks or caminos to to go on. That's that's great. So that that would make for an entire trip in itself. Walking, I mean, it sounds like you could easily spend a week walking all of those. Yes, probably you could. you'd also need a couple of days rest to be honest. But that's uh, yes another part of it. And there's great golf courses in between. Uh, we have Art Glass Golf Course, which some people say is the Pebble Beach of uh, Ireland. It's all along the coast. Uh, there's three or four very good golf courses here. So people can come. There's monasteries for people to stay in if they want to have a really uh, a good chunk of silence as well. Really immersive experience there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. What's your favorite part then of the... Because I, I assume you've done them all, but let's take the the... The one you created, the the one that's 27 miles or 28, <laughs> oh, sorry, 28 kilometers 20, or 17 miles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part of that one? What's the highlight? What's your favorite thing? Uh, well, two things. Uh, I suppose, well, I love to go into Saul Church. Um, I went there, I first went there as a sister of adoration when I came to Downpatrick in 2016 to give my testimony. And I went there with the other sisters to pray in my habit. And I never thought, that I would be back a few years later as a pilgrim guide. And it's a really special place because it's a place where uh, Christianity began here, but also where Patrick died. So I I always sense that the pilgrims really enjoy that. It's a very simple little stone church. It's obviously, Hmm. you know, built on the spot. 
And I also really enjoy going up to Lee Patrick because from there you just get this panoramic view and it's so beautiful. And Patrick said that, um, that what is of the countryside was created by the Most High God. But I have to say the new coastal walk is the whole thing is my favorite and it is because it is just stunningly beautiful. And I've lived here a long time and I didn't even realize this coast existed. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot of beautiful coast in Ireland, but this one is really a hidden gem and it's quite unspoiled. Oh, sounds lovely. So I have one, it's not really connected to the Caminos, but seeing these shamrocks uh, integrated into crosses as well, it's, it's, why is that? I've heard that it's something to do with St. Patrick, but I'm not entirely sure. Do you want to explain to him? Um, yeah, so there's a couple of things that are associated with St. Patrick. Um, and uh, whenever you see him, you'll see a guy dressed in green, wearing a mitre. He's got a snake, he's often standing on a snake, and he's holding a shamrock. Uh, none of these things are true. Okay, I, so I disagree. <laughs> I disagree, Tim. Oh. You can't say that with any certainty. <laughs> Well, probably the snake, since they aren't in Ireland. We've already banished the snake from the argument. Okay, so let's let's get rid of it. Um, the the shamrock is the it's supposed to represent the Trinity. So it's um, there are three: um, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we we have Irish people. Whenever Patrick came here, they worshipped vegetation. They worshipped uh, Celtic gods and high places and around water. And whenever he uh, came, he wanted to show them that there can be also in, in the Trinity within Christianity, there can also be, you know, uh, more than one uh, spirit. So um, he was able to, to show them that by giving them, uh, demonstrating it something that they've already, they know something about, which was, which was uh, vegetation. So that he was able to demonstrate by that. That's, that's what the, how the legend goes. That's why the shamrock. Okay, so basically taking a, a clover or a shamrock and saying one leaf is Father, uh, the Son, and... Holy Spirit, yeah. Holy Spirit, three yes, persons. sorry. Okay, three persons, one God. That's, I mean, some people say that that came later, that, that, that Patrick, there's some dispute as to whether Patrick said that, but tradition would, would tell us that he did. Okay. But that's good to know then that that's why you have this connection. Also, I presume because there are actually a lot of shamrocks in Ireland, as in a lot of them growing around. But it's kind of a nice dual connotation then that it's because of St. Patrick and the vast greenness of Ireland that you have this green shamrock as the kind yes. of symbol of Ireland. And he also, the, the Celtic cross, uh, which is a cross with a circle in the middle, that is from mm -hmm. Patrick. And he took, he knew that they were sun worshippers. So he said, look, the true God is the son of God. So he took the shape of the sun, the circle, and put it behind the cross. And so the Celtic cross is something that you see a, a lot around uh, Patrick across Ireland in cemeteries. And it is um, attributed to Patrick. And also Patrick is not his real name. He, he took this name um, when he became a priest. It's his religious name. It means noble. All right. Okay. That's, and... Out of curiosity, then, how, how do you say his name in Irish? What would the... We say Neve Podrick, Neve Podrick, St. Patrick. Okay, interesting. I guess uh, that's a good good word to uh, to learn. I always try to include one in these podcasts. And Neve, Neve Podrick? Neve Podrick, and we have Sleeve Patrick, which means the mountain of Patrick. Uh, which makes sense, because you have Sleeve League and all these other places, actually. Yeah, <laughs> makes... oh, good to know. I learned something as well, as in 
something that I probably use every day. Peter, you'll have to come. At, you'll have to come and see for yourself. We'll, we'll, you'll get the walk of your life. Yeah, you certainly over a couple, but by the sound of over three days, Peter. <laughs> well, I can I can probably do it in less than three days, but. Uh, <laughs> and you will see uh, an ancient well, which is pre-Christian, that Patrick bathed in. It's called Struel Wells. That's that's um really quite an amazing place, and the water's still flowing through those wells. That's nice. The other thing we should say about St. Patrick's Day is that the national colour of Ireland is not green which is what everybody expects. I mean, Tourism Ireland lights the world up green on all these different places for St. Patrick's Day, but actually that's not his colour. Well, at least not as, many, not as medieval colour. Yeah, medieval times his colour was blue. So the national colour of Ireland is actually blue. The President of Ireland's flag is blue because that's the national colour of St. Patrick's Day. And, yeah. and he's wearing blue in the stained glass window at Saul Church. And why blue? Royal because of oh, royal, yeah, royal connotation, yeah, yeah, yeah. And green because, well, everybody thinks of you know, Ireland as the Emerald Isle, and it's the, the 40 shades of green, although that's a very that's a very new song. Um, but people have been coming here for centuries and can you know, associating us with green, so that's kind of become, especially our, our, our Irish um, cousins who moved to America and places like that who started St. Patrick's Day parades. They always associated Ireland with with green, so it it kind of became associated with St. Patrick. Okay, okay, that makes sense then, because well, everything in St. Patrick is for St. Patrick's Day, as as it is maybe known around the world, is more or less green. Mm. Yes. Um, okay, interesting. I'll I'll point that out next time I see the person marching in the St. Patrick's Day parade uh, as St. Patrick. You should be blue. Blue. Royal <laughs> blue. Royal yeah. blue. Yeah. But our, our St. Patrick's Way Pilgrim Passport is actually, it's got a dark green cover. And uh, people like to have um, the passport stamped at each location. So that's kind of uh, a new development yeah. as well. That sounds very, I mean, that, that sounds like what you would know from other Caminos around the world. Uh, just as this yeah. kind of memento, memento of every place that you've seen. And a good way to remember back at what you've done. That's yes. very lovely. Sometimes the Irish, they start the same James Camino from Dublin. There's a place in Dublin you can start it. Um, but we uh, found that people who couldn't get to, to um, from Ireland to Spain to the St. James Camino, they were coming here and they were really uh, joyful at experiencing St. Patrick's Camino. Sounds lovely. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I think I need to go to Ireland and go for a long, long Camino, or maybe not, well, I'll probably split it into two, let's put it like that, but it sounds really lovely, and I really want to go, because it's all, I always find it interesting to dive into this history and, and the origins of, well, cultures and, and roots, so I would definitely say this sounds like uh, what you should do next, well, to our listeners, this sounds like what you should do next time you go to Ireland, when you have the chance, when everything opens. And it's a deep, it's a, it sounds like, like a calming way for you to be either by yourself or in small groups and enjoy nature, enjoy outside and experience what Ireland has to offer. Yeah, which is, which is actually something that I had, had recently just in, in, encountered, uh, that, that idea of walking. I was never much of a walker, but the great thing about walking is, as you say, you can be with people or you can be in your own. And you can talk to people and um, and so if people want to find out more about this experience, it's at our website, which I should 
which direct people to, which is www.stpatrickcenter.com. And Peter, our walk does finish in a 17th century pub, so there is a lot of pleasure. Oh, well, there, there's always that to look forward to. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, it was lovely talking to you. And uh, I hope to see you in Ireland soon. Thank yes, you. Bye. you're very welcome. Thank you so much.